Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Chris Richards, who's the Director of Undergraduate Enrollment Management at the University of Maine. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good, John. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here talking with you. Well, the pleasure is all ours. So let me ask you, Chris, give us a brief introduction about yourself. How long have you been in admissions and how did you end up in such a position? So I'm actually originally from uh, Western Maine, grew up in a really small town. Um, didn't even really have a full traffic light, to be honest. Blinking <laughs> lights that said slow down before you make sure there's not a logging truck coming. and. Um, I actually went to the University of Maine, where I currently work as an undergraduate student. Um, and, you know, like a lot of people in admissions, they'll say, I, I didn't go to college to become an admissions professional. I just kind of <laughs> fell into it. Um, I've actually worked in the office I work in since I was an undergraduate student. Um, so my first, I guess, uh, experience in this world was I was a, a campus tour guide. Um, in the admissions office. So I thought that was a great job. I got paid. I got to walk around. It helped me stay in shape. I met people and that's that it was that simple. And little did I know that um, I was going to be suddenly like doing professional work. And uh, the admissions office offered me a graduate assistant position to pursue my master's degree. Did that for a couple of years, and um, then I ended up as a true professional staff member in 2012. Um, so I've been in, in this office as a professional for a little over a decade. Started as a roadrunner, like many do, doing a ton of travel, recruiting out of state, uh, particularly in the state of Massachusetts, and did that for a period of three years. And uh, was pretty fortunate to have some some really awesome mentors along the way, and kind of was in the right place at the right time. We had a bunch of people who were um, transitioning, taking different positions elsewhere, created some some vacancies. And um, I ended up going from admissions counselor to director of the division um, due out of just need, frankly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and kind of it's, it's been a wild ride since, but um, I've, I've been really, really fortunate to have some pretty serious progression in the office and actually just served as the vice president of enrollment for a period of three years at the university. Um, following some transition, stepped into it in an interim role going into COVID and uh, kind of saw the institution through some, the division through some really tough, turbulent times and then made a bit of a kind of personal, professional 
uh, personal life balance decision and, and step back into the role of director. And, um, you know, the university couldn't have been more supportive of that, which is awesome. And so I, uh, I have the distinct pleasure of working at my alma mater and having only worked at my alma mater. So it's, it's, it's unique for sure. Well, that's a fantastic introduction. Obviously, you're an alum. You worked in the Office of Admissions as an undergrad, giving tours, and now here you are as a Director of Undergraduate Enrollment Management. That's terrific. Obviously, Chris, the University of Maine is very lucky to have you, as are we. So let me ask you first, before we get into the specific University of Maine, to talk about the overall system. Chris, can you give us an overview of the University of Maine as a system? In other words, how many institutions does it consist of? And do they act independently of one another? Yeah, well, it's a great question. So, you know, the school I represent, UMaine, we are the flagship of the UMaine system. Um, it's actually seven campuses and has transitioned to six institutions, essentially. So wow. um, University of Maine and Machias, which is the smallest um, university within the system, um, has actually transitioned and become a true regional campus of the University of Maine. Um, so I get the distinct, you know, really awesome opportunity to promote the largest and the smallest institution within the system as one entity. Um, but I would say those six groups, Farmington, the University of Southern Maine, Umpy, um, Fort Kent, we are really in a unique position of we are independent. We truly are. Um, and with that comes um, some unique challenges. We're one system. We work together. We, um, but we kind of compete for students still. You know, we do our own travel. We do, um, but we're very good, supportive colleagues. It's not uncommon for us to refer people, students to each other if one's a better fit, um, provide support services as well. Um, but, uh, but we're pretty independent. Um, we geographically represent all of Maine. So from the Southern tip, we're kind of right in the central area, but, uh, but that's about it. So, well, thank you so much for that introduction. We really appreciate it. And let's get now specifically to your campus, Chris. What is it about the university of Maine that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? I would say when I think about the institution, um, it is it is a kind of one of a kind place. It truly is. Um, we, you know, being located in Maine, certainly we find students really find a sense of place. Um, so we really believe in community. We are a Division One flagship R one research institution. Um, so we're the only Division One athletic program in the state. Um, certainly, uh, hockey is, I'd say, the sport we're most well known for. Um, And with that research focus, we really do have some absolutely incredible facilities. Um, We have the largest 3D printer in the world at our university. Um, We really take pride in hands-on learning, research learning, and undergraduates having access to these world-class opportunities to kind of define tomorrow and shape the future. We just had a massive, big press release where it was... um, they were talking about we we kind of got technology where they can take wood fiber from timber material and we can 3D print homes now. And <laughs> so it. manufacturing implications, renewable resource implications really for the world. Um, and I'd say that's a huge part of it. But we have students from all 50 states, over 70 countries. So while it is what many see as northern Maine, I guess. Um, if you're from Maine, you wouldn't see Orono as northern Maine. But if you're from outside the state, <laughs> it's really good. Um, I'd say, you know, they, they certainly find it, it is a place that feels like home. Um, people really care about each other here. And you get flagship large school opportunities at a place where you very likely can know faculty still by name. Um, big school opportunity with not necessarily being lost in the crowd. And, you know, we have 200 clubs and organizations for students to be involved in. And there really is something for everyone here. 
And so I'd say the biggest thing is students, they come to Maine, they have phenomenal recreational opportunities. I mean, if you're a student who, you know, fit is everything. Um, so if you're a student who's like, I want a major inner city school, Arnold's probably not the fit. Um, but if you're excited by something such as, um, let's say, we, the, I, the idea of hiking Mount Katahdin, which is the terminus of the Appalachian Trail, is like a day trip on a Saturday is exciting to me in college. You're not going to beat this institution, <laughs> you know, and that type of thing. So it's, uh, and we, we really provide um, opportunities for students to, I would say, graduate with a degree and a resume while also feeling like they were a part of something larger than themselves. And it's almost a part of your identity. I mean, being a humane black bear is a part of who I am. And that's not uncommon to hear from alumni. And so there's a, there's a part of being here, part of this culture. I met my wife here. She's actually from Long Island, New York. Um, <laughs> we grew up on different planets. We're what we, we would call a bear pair. Um, you know, is what, is what, uh, is what we're called. And, um, but yeah, I think really that sense of place, the community spirit and the opportunity to define new technology, find new ways of doing things. We, we say, you know, define tomorrow is an institutional, you know, point of pride that whatever learning we do, whether it be in business, education, engineering, it's, we really are always looking for how to make the future better than it is today. Well, I love that defining tomorrow and how you talk about being in a place that's larger than all of us, but being a member of that caring community, but not only a member, a contributor like yourself, where you worked at admissions as an undergrad and here you are over a decade later, still serving the, your community. And you mentioned the research focus, the students from 50 different states, the caring community, over 200 clubs. It really does sound like there's something for everyone. And Chris, a lot of students have reached out to me. They want to know about life on campus. So what is it that you could tell me about life on campus outside of the classroom? Yeah. So certainly I'd say this is not a suitcase campus where people go home on the weekends. Um, far from it. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, my hometown, original hometown is only probably two hours from campus. So it would have been, it's easy for me to go home on a weekend if I really wanted to. Um, but I, I just didn't because I wanted to be here. Um, it's an, a very active campus. I mentioned, you know, a moment ago, we have 200 clubs and organizations at this school. So there is everything from Greek life, student government. Um, we have a men's and women's competitive lumberjack team that can <laughs> collegiately in those activities. And actually my, my younger brother, who's also a Maine alum, is a pharmacist now. And he had shared with me when he did his pharmacy school interview after doing undergrad here. I asked him, what was your interview like? You know, I work in missions. I'm curious. And he says, you wouldn't believe it. I talked about the lumberjack team <laughs> a ton because that was a pretty unique thing for a pharmacy school applicant to be a recreational timber person in their free time. Um, but that really is such a testament to the institution that people find their people here. Um, so, and diversity of interest. It's not uncommon to see the mechanical engineer who has a minor in theater. Right. That's not right. uncommon. And so we have tons of performing arts. We have division one athletics. Um, we're fortunate that all students can get into all division one athletic events completely free at this institution. Um, so that certainly is a big deal. We are student activities board. Uh, puts on programming five nights, six nights a week, all semester long. And we have the Maine Outdoor, uh, Maine Mountain Adventure Center. They put on incredible trips, whether it's whitewater rafting, whether it's ice climbing um, on sheets of ice on the sides of mountains, sea kayaking opportunities. Um, really, I think that's an exciting thing is that the outdoors is such a part of who we are. And that really, really is something we celebrate. Um, you know, we're 
environmentally conscious. We're a highly ranked, you know, eco-friendly school, so to speak. But really, we take full advantage of the outdoor recreational opportunities. And we have this unique balance being near Bangor. Um, that is the third largest city in Maine. Now, that is relative. Please don't, you know, don't take that as being a major <laughs> city, but has a wonderful dining community, um, great concert venues down there. So you see tons of shows. And so you have that balance. But then if you go 20, 30 minutes north of campus, you could find areas where, frankly, the moose outnumber people three to one. <laughs> you kind of have all that. At, at your discretion. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. So whether you're preparing for the SAT, ACT, or need a one-on-one -on -one tutor, Prep Expert has the tools and expertise to help you. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, I love how you emphasize the outdoors, which is terrific, but also the fact that kids stay on campus on the weekend. So it's not a commuter school. There's plenty to do with plenty of people around. And of course, you have a student government, Greek life. And I love and I want to hear more about the men's and women's lumberjack team. I think that's fantastic. So yeah. thank, you. <laughs> thank you again for that overview, Chris. We really appreciate it. And of course, you know, if you're going to matriculate in a school, visiting campus, if at all possible, is a really important part of the overall college process. Yeah. So if students are able to visit, what are some of the questions they should be asking to help determine if the University of Maine is in fact the right fit for them? Absolutely. I, I really think a big part of this is students coming and being, I think, open and about really where they're at. Sometimes students can, that can be challenging for them, even if they're with their parents. Um, you know, are you truly undecided or do you really want to be an engineer? Um, you know, those types of things are critical. So ask them those questions really about yourself so you can understand what is your academic experience going to be like? Um, questions such as, we get this one a lot, how quickly will I be in major specific courses? You know, how quickly will I be in nursing classes if I'm in nursing? or education classes if I'm in education. We take great pride that it's first semester, first year, um, something in our, our curriculum structures and that type of thing. So that's a big one. I'd say go visit a campus if you can during session. Sometimes the summer is when people can or whatever, but if you can visit on a weekday during the academic session, so you can really get that feel for what campus is like the vibe of campus and those types of things, for sure. Um, if you get a chance, ask students, really, what are the things you like the most about it? And what are things you'd like to see the university improve um, is a big one. And trust me, they'll tell you. <laughs> um, they'll tell you. 
and and really get the sense of you want to find your sense of place. Um, we our goal is we want students when they come visit UMaine. I have many students who will come visit, and I've had them say before when they leave, "I loved campus. It was beautiful. Everyone was so nice. I just wish it was near a large city." And I get that. That visit is as important as a student who comes to UMaine and says, "You know, we were driving up from Pickett State." And we got north of Augusta and we saw tree after tree after tree. And I was thinking, there's no way this substantial institution is here. And then we got off and it's like, it just exceeded all my expectations. And oftentimes we find that it's one of Maine's best kept secrets. People tend to come visit Maine and they're like, wow, I, I didn't expect this as significant a school. Or even if they go visit the regional campus, you know, and the, they're, they're driving and they get to the coast and it's, you know, the beautiful bold coasts and the welcoming community there, there's, it's a welcome surprise. Um, I would say, ask questions about food. That's a big thing. Um, <laughs> every day, I would say, you know, the totally honest answer here is what I find is the food is definitely better than average, but we excel in variety, I find. There's multiple dining areas and they seem to all have different menus. So when I think back to my days as a student and now is I found that we had much more variety on any given day that were available to students um, than other campuses I'd been to. Uh, but I'd say that's a huge part um, of understanding that. And, and uh, you know, another thing is if you're at the point of you're applying, you're considering Ask some questions about scholarship programs, those types of things. Cost is a huge thing. Um, students are extremely um, debt conscious, debt averse even, and, and rightfully so. And I, I think it's fantastic how many students are actually asking those questions around, you know, ensuring that this, it's an investment in yourself. You want to get as much out of this as you can. So, ask, you know, frankly, ask as many questions as possible because this is one of the biggest decisions a person's going to make in their life. And at that point, particularly a traditional age student, probably the biggest one they will have made where they go to go to school and where to go. Well, that's a great answer. And you spoke a lot, obviously, about the beautiful state of Maine. And I've been there with my family and it is absolutely gorgeous, no doubt about it. But you talk about this hidden gem, right, which is the university. Yeah. So let's let's unpackage it just a little bit further, right? Because you speak about how everybody comes there and they're really surprised. So, Chris, just give us a little bit more. How big is the campus? Yeah. What does it look like? How many students? Yeah. And you mentioned cost. So what is the cost to attend? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say we'll jump into it. It, it is a true campus. Um, in that it's not really mixed in with the town, um, which I was something that drew um, me in a lot was I wanted a true campus. And I, I toured a couple of institutions that, um, frankly, we overlap with a lot. <laughs> uh, and I found that I was walking through them and wondering, OK, is that university or is that like someone's private residence? You know? <laughs> I wanted that true campus feel. So it's a true campus feel. We tend to have operate at roughly 9,500 to 10,000 undergraduate students and then 2,500 graduate students in addition to that. Um, just under 100 majors at the undergrad level and over 100 masters and doctoral programs as well. It is, it really is centered on kind of a university mall area, like this big long grass area. We got the library at one end and we got the field house at the other end. It's kind of this neck of campus. Um, it's located right on the Stillwater River. Um, it, it is beautiful. I would say if everyone visited the last week of September and the first two weeks of October, foliage <laughs> peak, they'd all attend. Um, we, we definitely have drastic seasonal change, I would say here. In Ukraine. And that jumps back a little bit to the question about activities. We really embrace that. You know, you have fall, you have winter, you have spring and summer. And with each of those seasons brings new activities and opportunities. And we embrace that. Um, I think someone said it well, they said, if, if you get upset with the snow, if you don't find joy in the snow, you have less joy in your life and the same amount of snow to shovel. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> it's a great saying. <laughs> so that that's really kind of, I think, part of it. Um, it's campus is a couple hundred acres. We have hundreds of acres of woods behind the, the institution. Um, we have one of the top ranked fitness centers in, in the nation on campus. And so we maintain and grew cross country ski trails in the wintertime. Um, we have different levels of like mountain bike trails if people are into that. Um, big tennis courts. Um, but, and it's one thing I'll say, it is a very safe university. Um, we take a lot of pride in that. Maine is a safe state. And so we kind of culturally, I think, end up in that. But it, it is a safe place. Um, I know that that's a, a big question that a lot of parents have. And I'll be honest, I, uh, when I first got at admissions, I never really quite grasped that question when I traveled, you know, and, and spoke to students and parents. Parents would ask about safety. And, and uh, you saw right before we started, my, my kids dropped my dinner off to me tonight. And, uh, <laughs> once I had kids, I suddenly understood that question. I, I think becoming a parent, I describe it as it's as if like your heart, something essential to your existence is some, suddenly outside your body. And as that grows up, you lose control of it. And then we talk about this transition to college, um, the, the change with parents and how challenging that can be. And I feel very fortunate that we have a narrative and, and an institution that we can demonstrate to parents. This is a safe place to send your children. Um, and, we, and we take great pride in that. Um, in terms of cost, um, certainly it can depend by program. Um, our tuition and, and fee rate for a main resident is about just under $12,000 a year. Um, depending on program, if a student is just general out of state, it's about $34,000. And then if students from New England are in certain what we call NEBI programs, regional programs where a program might not be offered in their home state, um, they could come to Maine because we have this reciprocity with all the New England states. Uh, where their tuition and fee rate would be just a little over twenty thousand um, dollars. Our room and board is a little under twelve thousand. So depending, twenty seven to forty nine by residency total cost of attendance without a cent of financial aid applied. Uh, but we have very very robust scholarship programs from a thousand dollars all the way up to full cost of attendance depending on academic performance and those type of things. Um, and that, that's a point I'll probably make later, but um, I always tell students, your academic work in high school is probably taking that seriously is the single most important thing you can do to help pay for your college education um, is to do well academically because uh, it, it has massive, massive implications from a merit standpoint as you pursue higher education. Well, we appreciate that, Chris. Thank you so much. You talk about it being safe, which, yes, as a parent myself, that's yeah. very important. But it's also a beautiful campus, and there's activities all year round, four seasons. Sounds awesome. And I was also very interested, you talked about the reciprocity in the mm -hmm. neighboring states, but also yeah. the scholarship opportunities. So what else could you tell us about those programs? Yeah, so um, NEBI stands for New England Board of Higher Education. And so basically that organization um, works where states of New England have agreed that if you're, for instance, a student from Massachusetts um, and you're interested and in you in a marine science program, for instance, our marine science is approved NEBI program because you want that specific program and it's not offered by the public university system in your home state of residency, the view taken is you're essentially forced to go out of state. So you could go to another New England state for a reduced tuition rate, not be forced to have to pay full out-of-state tuition and fees to pursue the program because you kind of had to do it. And so we have programs for Maine residents that students may go to the University of New Hampshire or, or wherever because that program is not offered here in Maine by the UMaine system. And so it it really, it's, it's a nice opportunity that allows students to not be forced to have to pay a full out-of-state cost simply because their area of interest and pursuit um, happens to not be offered where they, where they live. 
Understood. Well, we appreciate that. And I want to dig into the overall application process, Chris, if you don't yeah. mind. So can you walk us through your overall process at the University of Maine? Many students, of course, and their parents want to know what happens once they hit submit on their application. So any insight that you can share, such as whether you evaluate the applications by high school, by region, intended major, or anything else that you want to share, again, we would greatly appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, you know, we're a common app institution, and certainly most, that's our most common one, speak. <laughs> but there's also an application that we accept, the UMaine system has its own system application um, that students can submit as well. But, um, you know, we're a common app school. Um, we have some, we're non-binding, so we don't have any early decision deadlines or anything like that. We do have an early action deadline of December 1st, which there are some um, some benefits to applying by then, um, by that date. Uh, but the big thing for us is, and we are a, a true review school, I would say we don't have any automated admissions processes where certain GPAs, certain test scores, you know, you're, you're in, we, we read every single file. Um, and we get about 16 to 17,000 first year applications a year. And so we are totally test optional for all of our academic programs. And that includes engineering and nursing. That may sound funny to say that, but I say we're test optional for all programs. And many times I'm asked, does that mean engineering too? Does that mean <laughs> nursing as well? I'm like, yes, it does. Um, and also our merit structure is entirely test blind. Um, wow. We have, our merit structure is based upon academic performance, rigor taken um, within their academic history and also rigor available to respective student within their school they're at. Um, you know, particularly here in northern Maine, we have some very rural, small, small school districts where. A school might graduate, I'm not kidding, eight seniors a year. Wow. <laughs> and so the availability of AP and honors courses just does not exist versus um, some of the other students that we review. So we, we try to take into account, you know, if a student capitalized on 100% of the opportunity available to them, you know, that can benefit them from a merit standpoint in our review. So we, we also consider that. Um, but we we look at... The academic record is certainly the most important thing, but a real person does review that um, student select a first, second choice program. Uh, we look for core units, four years of English, at least two years of a lab science, math minimum algebra two level, business, we want to see students going beyond that in math, engineering, we want to see pre-calculus as well, we want to see physics. Um, so there's a lot of unit checking as well. Um, we are, it's funny you ask about reading by region. Uh, we're actually, we haven't, but we are like in transition um, as we look towards a more intentional kind of territory management model within admissions um, where we're going to actually be reading by territory, so to speak, um, starting next year. Um, so that's, that's another kind of a, a shifting goal that we have. Um, but we take great pride in quick response to students. So I mentioned that December 1st early action deadline. Um, students who apply by that deadline will get a decision by the holiday season. Uh, wow. So that's a big thing for us, a quick turnaround. Um, it's also for us, it is a priority scholarship deadline. Um, so we do have some scholarships that, you know, they're first come, first serve. And after that time, sometimes the very high end ones might come off the table because we get so many early. It's also guaranteed admission in terms of if a student meets qualifications for capacity conscious programs, nursing, mechanical engineering being two of them, if they meet requirements and they apply by December 1st, they're going to be fine. And we can advise them accordingly. But if a student um, misses that, we're in a rolling phase and it's not uncommon for us to stop admitting to nursing in January or February. Um, so those are really, I think, the key benefits to the student for applying by that date. Um, our nursing review is a little bit um, more elaborate um, than other programs. 
uh, a slightly more holistic in terms of some of the goals um, that the, the program has, particularly around trying to encourage even more Maine residents to pursue nursing um, and ideally place them into careers in Maine to help with our nursing shortage in Maine. Hmm. A unique institutional challenge and goal for, for being in Maine. Um, but we will read applications, make decisions, and we make merit determinations at that point. So when a student gets their acceptance letter, they know the status of their admission, what program they were in, whether that be first choice, second choice, an alternate program, and whatever merit eligibility they have. Um, they get that all in one full swoop. We also, when we send our admissions packages, we send kind of like a folder. They get their decision, the form to confirm if they'd like to, but they also get a welcome letter from the financial aid office, including our FAFSA code and all those things to say, okay, you've been admitted if you haven't done your FAFSA. Um, March 1st is our on-time filing deadline for the FAFSA, and we encourage them to, uh, to do so as soon as possible. We just follow up on that getting decisions as fast as we can. We start sending financial aid packages before Thanksgiving. Wow. You know, we want families to have the picture of what this cost will be at Maine, their status at Maine, and that information for as long as possible so they can make the most informed decision they possibly can make. Hey, podcast friends, are you or someone you know in need of some custom college gear? Prep Sportswear carries a wide variety of college fan gear and apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So whether you're getting ready to go to the game, hanging out on campus, organizing a college bed decorating party, or you're simply looking to build upon your college gear, Prep Sportswear has you covered. Check out our Prep Sportswear affiliate partnership link in the show notes for all the details. As an affiliate partner with Prep Sportswear, the podcast does receive a small commission if you make a purchase. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel that would benefit our listeners. And now, back to the show. Well, that's a tremendous overview into your entire process. I appreciate how you spoke about being test optional, yes, for all programs, including nursing and engineering, as you said. Yeah. But also the quick turnaround, that's really important because obviously this is a very stressful process, which is why we put programs like this together, just to yeah. give parents and students a little bit more insight. But that turnaround, like you said, if you uh, apply by December 1st and by the December break, you have a decision, that really is something else. So thank you so much for sharing that, Chris. Yeah. So for the next question, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask a member of our email opt-in list to ask it. So help me welcome Scott from New York. Scott, go ahead, please. Thanks, John. I currently work with special needs students. So my question is, can you please explain what opportunities you offer students who may have had an IEP in high school in terms of helping to ensure that they continue to be successful once on campus? Thank you. That's a great question um, and, and a very, very important one. Um, we have a wonderful, wonderful staff in our student support and success initiative area. Um, Sarah Henry is actually their, their, their kind of leader in charge. And we really have vast resources for students to ensure they're successful, whatever accommodation someone might need. And, and they vary immensely. We know some students, it's more time for testing a different environment. Um, I can remember actually um, some of my friends actually served as um, note takers to provide that support for fellow students. And so I think that's a testament to culture is that we have many students who actually do that for their fellow classmates through that organized program um, under that area. I think one key thing that I say every time I get this question, whether it be from a student, from a parent, from whomever, is communication is so critical on this. And to empower students to have some self-advocacy, but also to speak up about these types of items. I find that students who have challenges, sometimes we have students who they maybe had whatever situation in high school and they just dismiss it as, I don't need this anymore when they go to college. Or they, you know what I mean? They just think that. 
and maybe they struggle. And then we find out information after the fact, after they've had a, a tough semester that didn't need to happen. And so I just, I say, please ask these questions early in the process. When we have students come to orientation in June, they should be setting up these meetings like right then and talking with our support staff because we can map this all out and they can hit the ground running. Um, communication early in the process and it's seamless. Um, but I think sometimes, especially if a student's been in a district, you know, K through 12, that can be a much more seamless transition of information from elementary to middle to high school. And sometimes there can be an assumption from families, particularly if they're first gen, that this just happens. It's not necessarily the case, you know, coming forward, encouraging your students to touch base with the college they're deciding to go to. That's a wonderful mentorship opportunity to encourage them. And, and we can we really I'm very confident in our ability to accommodate students to be successful at Maine's flagship university. Well, we appreciate that answer. And I'm going to repeat again what you said, communication, but communication early in the process. So students, parents, definitely advocate for yourself. If you are someone like my youngest daughter who had an IEP in high school, advocate for yourself because there are resources on college campuses to help you continue to be successful. I also want to take a moment to thank Scott from New York for the question. I really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to join the email opt-in list, please see the link in the show notes or visit the website www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. Thank you again, Chris, for everything. We really appreciate it. it. Leads me to my next question. What are some of the things that students do to demonstrate their interest in the University of Maine. And Chris, is that something that you track as part of your overall process? Yeah, we, we certainly do, um, you know, monitor all that information in terms of, you know, a student's connections with us. Um, I think one of the biggest things students can do to express interest is, you know, we visit a lot of high schools. I mean, my team on the road does like 1,500 to 1,600 recruitment events. All wow. <laughs> so we, and, and I travel myself, even as director, I, I really enjoy getting out and meeting students. Um, attending those opportunities when we're at your school, and I'd encourage though, you to go to any school that's on your radar. Um, you know, those institutions are investing that time because they want to share information with you. They're there to meet you. Um, so really don't, don't be nervous about that. I know sometimes students may be, but you know, there's, there really are no stupid questions. There's, you know, come there, engage. That's a huge part of it. I think secondly, it would be visit campus, um, you know, come see the institution. Um, we find so many of our students, students who come here, take a tour, come here for an open house, whatever. After visiting the institution, many of them do choose to attend. <laughs> um, and it is something that tends to exceed expectations for sure. Um, so I'd say those are the top two ways. Fantastic. And Chris, what about an honors program? Yeah. Does the University of Maine have one? And is it a separate application or do you in admissions invite students to apply? No, great question. Yes, we do have an honors program and, and actually a very, very old and, and well-respected one. And um, currently our honors program does not have an independent um, application. I, I don't know that that might change in the future, but uh, currently we, we work collaboratively with our honors college on invitations for students. Um, they will get a, an invitation to participate separate from their acceptance letter, um, certainly afterwards. So they get admitted to the school and, and then they'd get an invitation to participate in honors uh, at UMaine. And, and the honors program, and, and it's kind of it may sound like a cliche statement, but it really is an honor to be in the honors program in Maine. <laughs> um, we're going to, you're going to have a very small liberal arts school field to your college time within a division one, R1 flagship land, sea and space grant institution. Um, very interdisciplinary. What I find the benefit to that program is it's not, you know, it's not like honors in high school where you have bio and honors bio. <laughs> they have a, their own set curriculum and students essentially have this dual citizenship, if you will, where they're a, um, within their degree granting college, uh, whatever it is, business, education, whatever. 
and then they're a member of the Honors College. And so you could imagine being in a class of 10 students um, and you have a text that you read and you're going to debate or discuss this topic. And you may be a mechanical engineer and I may be a student and Sarah over there may, may be a, a theater student. And I think the students come out of it with so much robustness added to their academic experience. And what I find to be uh, a worldliness and an ability to collaborate with and work with people who have different views than themselves. And if there is a, isn't anything we couldn't use more in the world today, I think that's probably number one, <laughs> because they engage in topics with students much different than themselves in a way that they might not otherwise on campus. Because, you know, I was a bio major in undergrad and you know, I didn't. I mean, I had friends in the performing arts and whatever, but I didn't necessarily have academic time with those people because you have your niche of focus of area of study. And the Honors College really, I think, breaks that down and, and forces students to engage with those they might otherwise never engage with in a way that I think really helps them develop professionally, academically, and personally. So we're really proud of our Honors Program at Maine. Um, and, and students who get that invitation, you don't have to participate, but man, I, I really would recommend it if you do get that opportunity. Well, we appreciate that. And what percentage of the students would you say are actually in the honors program? Oh, a small percentage. So we probably bring in, in the incoming cohort, um, probably 10%, eight to 10% of our incoming class, um, are, are in honors and, um, there's a few more certainly that are invited than participate, but um, it's it's a really tight knit community. They have options for honors housing, so there are some uh, very real, I guess, nuts and bolts realities to your experience that could be different. Uh, but uh, but that's roughly the, the group. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris, and I certainly appreciate you explaining all of the different benefits. And I know that the University of Maine is optional when it comes to submitting essays, mm -hmm. but can you share some essay examples that left an impression on you? And what advice would you give prospective students in terms of what they should be thinking about as they sit down getting ready to write an essay? That's, that's a great question. So yes, it is optional, but I, we recommend it. Um, and actually, I've, I've had a couple just this week that were some of the best I've ever read. <laughs> uh, and, and I won't forget anytime soon, that's for sure. I would say this is an opportunity to really show who you are to a complete stranger or a group of strangers, depending if the school does committee review or whatever. Who you are to a lot of maybe numbers and letters that are indicating grades, scores, whatever it is. Um, add the human opportunity to this. And I find great joy in, in essays that maybe have a hook or an unexpected story. And I just read this story, this essay about this, um, this is a high school student applying for a nursing program. And she, the uh, title of the essay was Raising Kids. And she was going through it, and this was a very, very successful student. And she was in a, a million clubs and organizations and leadership roles and great grades. And I'm, I'm looking at the student's overall profile and, um, you know, in my opinion, was, was certainly going to be granted admission to nursing, judging by the academics and their extracurricular involvement. And I'm reading the essay, and she was talking about um, she never understood the challenge of raising, raising kids. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's a. I thought she, she was a, a parent and she goes through, she had one and two and three and four and the challenges of four, four kids. And I'm like, how is this person, you know, she was like a cheerleader and did all these national cheering things. And then at the end, she goes, I really never understood what it was going to be like to start a mini goat farm. <laughs> and, you know, kids is the term for a baby goat and talked about milking them and feeding them. And at the end, it was like this big joke, like it hit me. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and it really did. It was funny. I laughed. And I, I actually think it stuck out for me because admissions professionals read a lot of applications, read a lot of essays. 
So if you can write one that kind of stands out, that one certainly did for me. And, and I love the creativity of it. Um, and I even actually stopped and walked up and down the hall and got a couple of my staff. I'm like, you have to read this essay. <laughs> and so that one certainly um, left an impression on me. I think and another one that um, struck me years ago um, was, or, or I guess a type that started to strike me many years ago and still do is the influential people in one's life could be a mentor, could be a parent, whatever it is. But when they kind of share um, someone who's helped shape their perspectives and why um, are really, really um, can be really special and powerful. And uh, I had one uh, just this week who she actually wrote um, about her mother, who was a single parent, how hard she watched her mother struggle and, and to raise her and give her opportunities she never had. And it actually, actually, have the contact information. I think I'm going to may call the parents. I don't know if you've read your child's college essay, but, um, and I don't know if your child's going to come to Maine or not. I hope they do, but you really should read it because it, it, it impacted me because I, I, I hope my kids one day could write something as powerful as this person did about their parents. So I'd say those are two that really, really stick out to me recently that I've read. Well, those are terrific examples. And in the second case, I'm assuming that the student spoke about her value system, mm -hmm. the other student, her humor, her yeah. personality. These are all things that don't necessarily come out in other pieces of the application, such as the transcript, for example. So if you're going to write an essay, and again, at the University of Maine, it is optional, but if you're going to write an essay, you want to write something that's going to enhance the overall application and not just repeat things that are available, for example, on the transcript when it comes to academics or the activity sheet where you have your list of activities that you've taken part in after school hours or after class is done. So again, Chris, we really appreciate that. And of course, the teacher's letter of recommendation, obviously another part of the overall application. Chris, what are you looking for when you're reading a teacher's letter of recommendation? I'd say we really like to see academic um, entities who can speak to a student's academic ability and character are the ones that are um, the best. You know, I mentioned earlier, we have these great research opportunities, these academic programs and all these activities. We want students who are going to come be successful academically, but also be a part of and advance the community that is the University of Maine. And so those types of letters of rec, I, I always advise students a bit of advice on this. Um, make sure you ask teachers who are going to really write you a letter of recommendation, like a true one. Someone you know well, someone who you've had multiple times in class, someone you have a connection with. Those are the best ones. Um, you don't want to just get a generic letter of rec that talks a lot, but maybe says nothing. Um, certainly that, you know, you want a real one. And um, that character and academic piece is, is big for us, uh, particularly around the really hard STEM programs, um, nursing, engineering. Uh, we, want, we want to see that as a part of that. And I once some of the most powerful ones I've read are actually um, from coaches as well. It can be very a great letter of rec. And there's an article a few years back I saw someone I think they got admitted to all or most of the Ivies, and one of the letters of rec they asked was from the custodian at their high school. Wow! He, this person had written this letter, and they were saying that this per this young man was like you know the stud athlete and whatever, but he would made it such a point to make him feel like a part of the community and that all, not a lot of students or people really talk to him a ton and this wow. student did every single day. And, you know, that right there could, you know, you could speak to, yes, the students on national honor society. Yes. This student um, is a standout athlete involved in all these clubs, but this is how this student makes me feel every day when I see them. And, can't remember who said it, but there's the saying of they may forget what you say, they may forget what they did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And so those types of letter of recs, if you have those stories in your life, those can be really powerful um, for your admission to the University of Maine, but certainly I think uh, colleges in general. 
Well, that's so true. And we really appreciate that. And I love how you talked about how are you going to be a part of a community, but also how are you going to advance it? How are you going to make it better? You said it earlier, you know, if you go to the University of Maine, obviously that is something that is bigger than all of us. But when you're there, how are you going to contribute to the University of Maine community? And so I think that's great advice in terms of the teacher's letter if they can share stories like that, again, to enhance the overall application. So we appreciate it, Chris. And of course, the activity sheet is yet another part of the overall application. Chris, what are you looking for when reviewing it in terms of what they've done outside of the classroom? We really like to see, I'd say these are two, I guess, top priorities for us. Leadership and part-time work is very seriously highly ranked for us in that regard. And commitment to things over time is also a big one. I'd rather see a student who did two or three specific things for their first or senior year and someone who had done nothing and then panicked and they knew they needed to pad this sheet on their application. So Um, so commitment to things over time, leadership roles really carry the most weight. And we also love to see if there are experiences that are related to your academic pursuit. We, we put a lot of emphasis on that. So um, if you're interested in nursing and you pursued your CNA, that's major for us. I mean, that's major for us. If you've already have that certification in high school, that's a pretty, that's, that's a ma- massive, massive opportunity for you gaining admission to our nursing program. Um, so if you can have those experiences related to your field, maybe you do some, a research project as a, a some type of independent study um, along with your chemistry professor that might that's another big one but those are the things we really look for where you athletics is great but were you also a captain you know of your of teams for multiple years that you know we look at that a lot um, but i'd say those are the big things and and we do like to see active students because again we have 200 clubs and organizations we want students who are going to come here join them be involved and, and continue that culture on campus. I appreciate how you mentioned part-time work because we've said it before. Your first job, you learn so much responsibility in terms of time management, answering to a supervisor, responsibility. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it really is an important piece of the activity sheet if in fact you had a part-time job, but also yeah. commitment to work over time. And not, as you said, someone who realizes in junior year, oh boy, I have to fill out an activity sheet. I better join 10 clubs in junior year. Obviously, as admissions professionals, that's something that you could see right through. So those are great pieces of advice. Chris, this has been a tremendous conversation. I can't thank you enough. And unfortunately, it leads us to our last question, which is, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Uh, communicate uh, between each other. I'd say to the parents, you may not understand your child's pursuit, their interests, their goals. That's okay. Support them, love them, and understand that what they want to do might not be something you get. Um, To the students, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, you need to understand that, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have guardians that really love you, that is a gift in life. And so Understand that the most important thing in their life is now leaving home. This is going to be tough on them. So communicate, have some patience. I'd say number two, no deadlines. It's critical. Um, application deadlines, whether it's early action, early decision, and on-time FAFSA filing deadlines. I'd say those, those are critical. This is a big process. It can seem overwhelming. But I can tell you, if you do things by deadlines, it's actually pretty smooth. It's once we start missing deadlines that things can be a challenge. And number three, finish your senior year strong. Um, this is your final prep before the big game, so to speak. <laughs> so finish your senior year strong. Uh, know that your studies, and if you're earlier in this process, as I said earlier, Doing well academically may be the single greatest thing you can do to help pay for your college education. So if you're sitting down to study after listening to this, you might think, wow, you know, this this final might help me, you know, advance my merit eligibility in college. (laughs) So take your studies seriously, but have fun. 
Um, it's, it's a wonderful time in life. This is an exciting conversation. Those of us who do this, do this because it's a privilege uh, to, to be a part of this experience and this time in life for so many. So um, reach out to the resources, ask questions. You'll be fine. Well, Chris, it was a privilege to have you. You are a true professional. It was really an honor. And like I said earlier, the University of Maine, so fortunate to have you on their team. And we were so lucky to have you as part of this conversation. I can't thank you enough, as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents. I hope to have you again, Chris. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes.